Amen. Thank you so much, brethren. Take your Bibles now. Turn me with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacharias, or Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are greatly honored simply by the reading of Thy precious Word. Lord, how we do pray now that You would bless us. Lord, that Thy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide, guiding us into these truths. Father, we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up amongst us, that he would draw all men unto himself. Oh, that the Lord was accused of being a guest to a man that was a sinner. What joyful words to the heart of every true believer. Lord, we ask of you that you would be our guest again this morning. Be in our midst, and we pray as you're in our midst that those that know not thee, Lord, we pray that they, like Zacchaeus, would make every effort to see Christ and that salvation would come to this house this morning in the saving of men, women, and children's souls. May you be honored and glorified in all that's said and done, for we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. And amen. Throughout my past 40-so-odd years of being a Christian and a pastor, I found that many times when I became weary in laboring for Christ, it was my returning to the simplicity of the gospel that I heard the first time that revived my soul. The church of Ephesus, though the Lord said you work and labor hard and uh, you faint not, 
He commended them greatly for those things. Yet he said, I have one thing against thee. For you have left, not lost, but left your first love. Remember, he said to that church in Ephesus and Revelations, remember your first love and your first work. Remember from whence you've fallen. And I can't help but believe that that first love had much to do with the gospel. As God's children, we can labor diligently in the work of Christ. We can work hard. We can persevere, not even fainting. Yet if we lose that first love, the impressions of that first love that we experience with Christ through the gospel, all our work becomes vain and empty and lifeless. So this morning as I preach from this text in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, may we as God's children be reminded, remember that Gospel that wants so shine brightly so in our hearts and our minds and revealed to us for the first time the great love and mercy of Christ that we would be encouraged and strengthened in our service for Christ. And may those of you this morning that know not Christ, may you take an example from Zacchaeus. You climb that sycamore that God has providentially put in your place. That you might climb up to heaven in Christ. And I pray God would be merciful to us all. We have recorded in this 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke an amazing encounter of Christ with a man called Zacchaeus. Not by chance, nor by accident, but an encounter determined and divinely ordained by Christ Himself. For it was Christ, according to verse 1, who chose to enter and pass through Jericho. Child of God, listen to the message this morning and apply this to your own hearts. When you first heard the gospel and God gave you eyes to see, the circumstances and events leading up to Christ abiding in His house, not by fate, but by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Does that ring a bell in the hearts of every child of God? You remember the circumstances and events that led to your hearing the gospel? Oh, it wasn't chance that you saw Christ like Zacchaeus from the tree. It was because Christ in that time and in those circumstances and those events passed by Amen. providentially. How wonderful that is to contemplate that again. Do you know that every encounter Christ had with every man, woman, and child as He walked amongst men was not one by chance or fate, but one providentially, sovereignly determined by Christ. 
each one as different and intimate and diverse as the next. Each one special in its own way. Like I've said before, whether it be a Nicodemus at night or a woman by the well, mm. or a man possessed of a legion of devils or even a thief on the cross, each one was determined by the counsel and subtlety of God. And so was the beginning of your and my salvation. Every encounter with Christ as He walked amongst men, as well as every encounter with Him to this day, is no accident. Amen. For the Son of Man has come to see and to save that which was lost. He came with a purpose, not with a chance, not dependent on fate, he came to seek with a purpose and to accomplish something. Not possibly, but to accomplish something. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Those who are lost know not where they are. They know not how to find their way to Christ let alone know their need of Him. Zacchaeus was merely curious to see Christ. He had definitely heard of Him from others, yet he'd never passed by that way. And so here's this chief of publicans, this rich man, which we'll look at in a minute. The Lord said in the previous chapter how hard it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. It's impossible with man, but not impossible with Christ. Christ proves that in this text. But here's this man who heard of Christ. Probably never laid eyes on him before from the text. And oh, he was just curious to see him. But because he was small of stature and there was so many people... He ran ahead of the crowd and found a sycamore tree, which I'm getting ahead of myself, but a sycamore tree is no easy tree to climb. Do you know their, 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 their base can get five to eight feet wide? And he's a small man. He's a rich man. Can you imagine the multitude seeing this small man of stature, rich and prestige, climbing a tree like a monkey? Amen. So that he might see Christ. Those are the same diligence you must use as a sinner if Christ passes by you. Climb that sycamore tree to see Christ. You make every effort to see Christ as He passes by. We miss that urging in the Gospel so often. Yes, it is by the sovereignty of God. It is by divine election. It is by God calling. But the sinner, as we'll see later, must use every circumstance God provides to see Christ. He was merely curious to see Christ. Never once considering that Christ would that day be his guest. You think when he climbed that tree, he thought, well, Christ is going to be my guest today. He never, never dreamed of that. He never thought of it. He was merely curious. Yeah. Remember the first time you heard the gospel? You were curious. I've never heard such a thing. I'm going to come back and hear that again. You were like Zacchaeus. There's something different about this Christ I'm hearing preached. 
I remember I'd come back often into church and say, there's something drawing me to this Christ, yet he was out of curiosity. I didn't know Christ wanted to be my guest and abide with me in my house. He was merely curious. He never knew Christ would that day be his guest, and he never knew that salvation would come to his house. He was merely curious to see Christ. Beloved, it is Christ who sought us out if we're saved. It's Christ. Amen. Christ who entered our lives and passed by. Christ who divinely ordained the circumstances and events which would lead us to encounter Him not by ourselves. You know, there is a simplicity to the gospel that you this morning as a sinner need to understand. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Christ sovereignly passes by. And as we'll find out at the end of the text, this was Zacchaeus' last chance because Christ would not pass this way again. He must now either see Christ or never see Him again. Whenever you have an opportunity to hear the gospel like you do now at this present moment, Christ is passing by. That doesn't say he'll pass by again. Mm -hmm. So you better listen to the gospel. You better listen and make every effort like Zacchaeus to see Christ. Well, I don't know if I'm of the elect. That's not the point. I don't know if God's drawing me. That's not the point. The point is, he must be if you're here. For why would he make this moment available unto you. Why do you squander the moments and times that Christ passes by? How many times have you heard the gospel? How many times have you read the Bible? How many times have people told you about Christ? Why do you squander those moments? Those are precious. Don't forget, we'll look at it here in a few minutes, Jesus entered and passed through. He wasn't going to stay in Jericho. He was headed to Jerusalem. He was just passing through. And Zacchaeus said, if I don't get up that tree now and see him, I'll never see him again. He's passing through. Here's my opportunity. Mm. He didn't care what other people thought about no. his prestige or his money. He climbed that sycamore tree. Yeah. And he got up in that tree and he didn't mind it. Other people might not even have noticed him. Some should have, probably did. He didn't care, but he's up in that tree. I just want to see Christ. Little did he know that as Christ walked by, and even though there's a crowd, the Bible says there was a crowd around him, Jesus looks up. I wonder if he's the only one that looked up. Looked up and seen Zacchaeus and said, mm -hmm. make haste. Mm -hmm. You're the reason I'm passing through Jericho. One day in Heilbronn, Germany, at a little church on Sundheimer Strasse, Christ passed by. And in a saving way, he looked at me, a poor sinner, and said, you're the reason I'm passing by. Mm. Oh, do you believe the gospel that much, that that's what Christ did for you? Or that what Christ is doing for you now? I'm passing by.
sinful lost man doesn't stumble upon Christ. Nor is he the one that initiates or sets in motion the circumstances whereby we might find Christ. It's the Son of Man who has come to seek and to save. And it is the circumstances and events which led Christ to be a guest with this sinner, thus bringing salvation to his house. And this is one of the most glorious displays of the gospel that you'll find in any event written in the gospels. When Christ walked amongst men, this is the most glorious display of the gospel you'll find in any event while Christ walked among The simplicity of it. The simplicity of the gospel is there. And yet the depth of God's rich mercy and grace towards sinners. He had just got finished in the earlier chapter saying, it's almost impossible for a rich man to be saved. It's like putting a camel through the eye of a needle. And he said, well, who then can be saved, said the disciples. And Christ said, "With man, it's impossible. With God, it's not. All things are possible. And then immediately in the next chapter, he finds a rich man. And says, watch me put this camel through the needle of an eye. Amen. Why don't you listen to the simplicity of the gospel? Why don't you hear? Why don't you hear Christ passing by? Let's take a look at the circumstances and events so that we might be able to bear witness to that. Look at verse 1 of this chapter. Stay with me just a few moments. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now it's important for us to understand that his entering and passing through Jericho was greatly significant, not only for Zacchaeus, but also for us. There's a lesson here to be learned. For it was through Jericho that his pathway to Jerusalem must be led. He had to go through Jericho. You know what's going to happen in Jerusalem? Look over in verse 18. Or chapter 18 of verse 31. This is why. Listen. Chapter 18 verse... Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on and they shall scourge him and put him to death and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And the saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. Why was he going to Jerusalem? He was going to Jerusalem to be the sacrificial lamb. But before going to Jerusalem, he had to enter and pass through Jericho. That's significant. Mm. You know why? If you look at Scripture in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, after they had sinned with Jericho, Jericho had been declared a cursed city and it was to this once cursed city that his path to Calvary lay what would that signify God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but everlasting life God sent his son into the world what Jericho is? Cursed Jericho is a picture of this cursed world. Christ mm -hmm. must, mm -hmm. to get to the cross, he must go through this cursed world. Yeah. 
he entered. Jericho being a picture or a symbol of this now cursed and fallen world since the fall of Adam. This world where once the Garden of Eden was home to both God and man, where man's fellowship with God was pleasant and blessed, yet now cursed because of sin into this Jericho, this same world, Christ must enter to get to Jerusalem, to Calvary. There's a whole gospel truth in that. There's a whole doctrinal truth in that. He became like unto his brethren. He must become flesh and blood. He came, he entered into this world because that was the only way for him to get to Calvary and accomplish this great sacrifice. He had to enter into this cursed world. Paul says this, this is a faithful saying in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world. That's the significance. He came into this world, cursed world, to save sinners. Of whom he says, I am chief. Christ came into this world. He entered into a cursed city. Christ passed through a cursed city, a cursed world, that he might in Jerusalem Galatians 3.13, hang on a tree that he might redeem us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. What's he doing? He's identifying himself by passing through Jericho. He's identifying himself with a cursed people. He was made a curse. Are you following me? He was made a curse for us that we might be redeemed from the curse of the law. Jericho is greatly significant. He must enter into Jericho before sacrificing himself on Calvary. And yet, unlike sinful man, listen to these words, Jesus entered and passed through it. Why is that important? Well, sinful man can't pass through it. He wasn't, Christ wasn't held or bound by the sins and condemnation of it. It's significant when he said not only did he enter, but he passed through it. Over in John chapter 14, I want you to see this. He passed through it. Now look at John chapter 14. I want you to understand this, especially you as Christians. Uh, apply this to the gospel that saved your soul. Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 28. Listen to the words of Christ. You've heard now, you've heard now how I said unto you, I go away and I come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father for my Father is greater than I. Verse 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass you might believe. Now watch. Hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh Satan, and hath nothing in me. What's he mean by that? We're held in the fear of death. We're held in bondage of that. And Satan, Hebrews says, is the one that holds the key. Christ passed through Jerusalem, or Jericho, because Satan had nothing in him. He had no pollution of sin. 
And so he, the symbolized in here of Jericho is, I've not only entered into it, but I'm the only one that's passed through it because Satan had nothing in me. I am not polluted by sin. So I'm passing through it. We can't pass through it. We're bound by death, by sin. Christ says, no, I'm simply passing through it. Beloved, Satan holds sinful man under the fear and dominion of death according to Hebrews chapter 12. Yet Satan had nothing in Christ to hold him, for he is pure from sin and therefore cannot be bound by death. It was his own submission to death that proved Christ's dominion and power. He submitted himself to death. He wasn't subject to it. So this one verse with these few words has great significance. Jesus entered into this world, this cursed world, and he was the only one that could pass through it because Satan had nothing in him. Mm. And amazing. Amen. That's the gospel. And yet, there is also an urgency implied on the part of Zacchaeus. For though Christ had entered into Jericho, the Bible says he was merely passing through. Look at verses 2 to 5. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, listened to the words of Christ, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste. Mm. Now why did he just simply not say, Zacchaeus, come on down? Mm. Christ gives a sense of urgency here. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down on that tree. Mm. Do it now. Because I'm only passing through here. So Zacchaeus was moved by curiosity to see Christ. Christ would exhort him to haste. For he's merely passing through. You know what the gospel message has for every sinner? Do you know the gospel message does not give you time? Do you know that? Every time you hear the gospel preached, there's an urgency to it. Just like Christ here. Christ knew that he was going to be his guest. Christ even later on says, salvation has come to the house. But he urges Zacchaeus to be hasty. Haste, come down from that tree quickly. For I will not abide long in this city. I wish that I could find some way to explain that. I think a lot of Christians, especially those who believe in the doctrines of grace, take the doctrines that we so love and cherish and they make them merely a doctrinal thesis or a dissertation on something like how to plant a garden or build a house. There's, they're not moved from it or by it anymore. It's just simply like reading a Reader's Digest. Somebody's simply going to lay out the one, two, three points of depravity, one, two, three points of sovereignty of God or the sinfulness of man, and it's just that's all there is to it. And that bothers me. There's an urgency every time the gospel is preached. Because the gospel, when it's preached, doesn't promise you tomorrow. 
Not even 10 minutes from now. That's why the Lord said make haste. And come down. For today, I must. Isn't that wonderful? I must abide at thy house. Why must Christ do anything? Because you're mine. Have you ever considered yourself when you look at Psalms and the psalmist says, God is my portion and mine inheritance? What's that really mean? Do you ever know what it really means besides we was chosen from the foundations of the world and God's infinite plan and we laid the discourse out and dissertation out as though it's just merely a, you know, a lecture on how to do something? Did you ever consider that? Did you ever consider that Christ must save you as a child of God? Because you're his. Yeah. Lord, why do you want to go through Samaria? Whoa. Oh, yeah. I must. Yeah. I'm a must. <laughs> yeah. Because from the foundations of the world, God loved me and made me his without any merit of my own. I'm a must. All those that thou hast given me is coming to me, and I have lost one. Yeah. Oh, dear child of God, if you are truly saved and born again by the Spirit of God, and Christ dwells in your heart by faith, you are so blessed. Because there was a day that Christ ordained the circumstances and the events surrounding your life that you would encounter him in such an intimate personal way uh, because he must abide in our house Christ looked up above the crowds mm. and I like this saw him. When Christ saw things, it wasn't just merely like we do. We see people look at us and we just kind of maybe sometimes ignore it and move on or whatever, but oh, when Christ looked at Zacchaeus, mm. just like when Peter denied him the third time and Christ gazed across that courtyard and looked into the eyes of Peter, and Peter began to weep bitterly. It wasn't important that Zacchaeus see Christ. It was important that Zacchaeus knew Christ saw him. Mm. He saw me. Like the Old Testament prophet in, the, in my blood and sinfulness he saw me with my wretched rags of unrighteousness. He saw me and he pitied me and he called me unto himself. That's salvation.
looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, how do you know his name? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of other people, he didn't mention their names. He was a blind man. Thief on the cross was never given a name. The one at the well, she's just a woman at a well. Samaritan woman. We're introduced to Nicodemus. How did Christ know Zacchaeus' name? Yes, sir. Sometimes I try to put myself in the place of people that encounter Christ. It's very hard to do, I know, but I try to. And I wonder with Zacchaeus hanging on to that sycamore tree, looking down at the crowd, noticing that in all the hustle and hassle and going on, bustle going down there, Christ looks up, he gazes straight into the eyes of Christ, and he calls him by name. Mm. He knows me. Remember your salvation? He knows me. What a strange encounter. It wasn't like, well, who are you? Like Paul on the road to Damascus, well, who are you? Uh, yes, Lord, here I am. And the Lord opened his eyes up and he seen and understood what it was, but he knew his name. He knew us before he saved us. I wonder how Zacchaeus reacted to that. Probably almost fell out of the tree, let alone come down from the tree. He knows me. Make haste. Come down for today. Now, I must abide in thy house. Wasn't that the way it was at salvation? When the gospel for the first time shined its light in our darkened souls. Oh, there was something so personal and intimate about it. I remember to this day, I remember on that kitchen floor on Scheiflenstrasse before I went to work. I couldn't explain it, I couldn't grasp it, but I'm telling you something just overwhelmed my heart and I knew, I knew that not only did I love Christ, but more importantly, I knew that He loved Amen. me in spite of myself. And I'm telling you, I went to work, and that next Sunday I went to church, and one of the deacons in the church looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? It looks like somebody stuck a banana in your mouth. You're just happy. Mm. Oh, something great happened this week. I can't explain it. But, mm. And I looked at him and said, I, I believe I'm saved. Of course, back then, independent from, oh, you got to know. I said, no, I, I believe I'm saved. And he made haste, came down. Says he received him joyfully. There's the evidence. He received Christ joyfully. Yeah. The blind man in chapter 18 was rebuked to hold his peace by the multitude who passed by. Blind man's going, what's all the, what's all the ruckus about? What's going on? What's, what's going on? And they said, oh, Jesus Christ is passing by. He said, oh, Jesus Christ, thou son of David. And they said, would you be quiet, hush up? <laughs> but he cried, so much the more, the Bible says. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. You don't think Jesus heard him the first time? But he kept going. 
second time and he cried the much more. And I like this one. I said, Jesus stood. He's walking. He hears that second cry much more louder than the first. It said he stopped in his tracks. Man, I wish you as a sinner could understand that this morning. If you would just cry out for mercy. It's that simple. It's that simple. Cry out for mercy. But I don't understand all the dog. You don't have to. You just have to know that Christ is passing by, that you're a sinner, and without him you're going to die and go to an eternal hell separated from God forever. But he has paid the price. He's paid it fully, and he's passing by. And that blind man says, I don't care what the multitude says. You can rebuke me all you want to, but I know he's passing by, and this might be my last moment. He said, I'm not letting him go without crying out. So he cried much. I wonder how loud that cry was. It must have been huge with that multitude. You know, not everybody's walking around silently. I'm sure they're all talking and yelling and screaming, and he cried out, but Christ heard his cry above everything else. Yeah. Like Christ saw Zacchaeus above everyone else Amen. crowding him, he saw a man up in a tree just sitting in a tree. <laughs> Said that Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. Bring him up. And amazing. The blind man, he says, bring him unto him. He can't come by himself. Are you listening, Christian? They can't come by themselves. Bring them unto me. Why do we do that? Go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel. Bring them unto Christ. With the preaching of the gospel. But the crowd is rebuking and yelling so loud that we don't know if they're hearing. Bring him unto Christ. Cry the more louder. Preach the more boldly. Never give up. Bring them to Christ by the preaching of the gospel. Don't let the crowd drown out your voice. No. No. Don't be discouraged, even though we mentioned at prayer meeting, about all the flyers going out and no response. And believe me, as a pastor, I can get greatly discouraged if there's no conversions. I question whether I've been called in the ministry. I know God's sovereign, and I know it takes a divine work of grace, but it still burdens my heart when I see none come to Christ, and I preach, and I preach, and I wonder, I'm not doubting God's sovereignty, I'm doubting myself. May we never lose that burden. Oh, I wish myself a curse for my brethren's sake, Paul said. I'm all things to all men that I might save some. The urgency of it. May we never lose that with the gospel. May we at Reformed Baptist Church never lose that. Though we trust in God's sovereignty, let us have compassion on the souls of men, women, and children and weep and pray for their salvation and bring them to Christ with the preaching of the gospel never wearying from the loud noise and rebukes of the crowd.
he said unto Jesus, the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today. Mm. It's the gospel. It's always today. It's always now. Mm. Well, you know, preacher, I'm going to go home and pray about this. No. No, I'll tell you it's going to happen. You're going to go home and you're going to forget it. Mm. You're going to go home and it's not going to leave an impact. I can understand why. I'm not for that, but I can understand why a lot of churches try to do an altar call, why people are still sensitive, try to make a decision during, you know, during the, the stir of the moment, the emotion of the moment. I can understand why they do that. I don't say I agree with all of that, but I can understand why they do that because as soon as you leave this place and as soon as we say amen and we start talking about other things, it's going to leave your mind. It's going to leave your heart. Now is the day of salvation. This moment is Christ passing by. Now is the moment. Now is the day of salvation. Because your evil and wicked heart will ignore it when you walk out that door. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He says to Zacchaeus, this day is salvation come to thy house. 2 Corinthians 6 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. There it is again. See, there's always a set time with the gospel. It's not open for discussion. It's not open for a, a you know, decision later on down the road. It's now. It's the, this moment. This moment that God is speaking to you. This very moment during the preaching when your heart is beating and your mind is racing and you're sweating and you're beginning to think about your condition before God. This is the moment. This is the very moment. I've heard thee in the time accepted and in the day of salvation have I succoured thee. Behold, now, there it is again. Now is the accepted time. Now is the accepted time. Even while I'm preaching, you don't need an altar call. Even while the gospel's being preached, in the depths of your heart, you cry out to God. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's always now. verse in the Old Testament in Isaiah says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found again. While he may be found. Kind of gives you impression there's a time when he won't be able to be found. Now in spite of everything that's going on, like we said about the, all the flyers being passed out and everything else and nobody coming to Christ, we all know and understand doctrinally that God has to do something. Why isn't he? Well, because he's not drawing men unto himself. We know that doctrinally. That verse verifies it. While he may be found, there's a good chance God speaks once and twice and three times. And I'm not denying divine election or the sovereignty of God. I'm simply baiting this fact of Scripture. There could be a time when God says, that's it. I'll speak to you no more. I'll leave you in your sins. I know there's some that don't believe that because then you'd have to say, they say, you'd have to refute divine election. No. I believe that's the same as whosoever will. Go ahead and let them try to figure out the depths of God's sovereignty in this time. We'll just preach the gospel. Mm. I know it's true. Oh, Lord, you heard about them Galileans, how they offered sacrifice and everything. Lord says, don't worry about them unless ye yourselves repent, you shall likewise perish. See what he said? 
unless you yourself repent. Again, standing over Jerusalem, he said, I would, but you would not. Go ahead and do a doctrinal thesis on that and try to explain that. I'll just leave it alone. I would, but you would not. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Means there's a time he won't be. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And I will have mercy upon him. You see that invitation? I will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Is that not simple? Jericho, a cursed city. Zacchaeus, chief among the publicans, and he was rich. What an example of the gospel. Beloved, like Zacchaeus and this blind man in chapter 18, you hear this morning without Christ. God has sovereignly and providentially ordained the event, the circumstances, and the situations. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you from the authority of God's Word, you simply being here this morning, He has passed by. And you've heard the Gospel. You climb that sycamore tree. You cry out much more like the blind man. You use every means and circumstance God has given you cry out that God be merciful to your soul. And you know what? He will abundantly pardon. By what authority can you say that? By the authority of God's word. He will abundantly, abundantly pardon. Let me close with this. In Luke chapter 15, they accuse Christ of receiving sinners and eating with them. Luke 15, 2. And Mervyn said, look, he's receiving sinners and eating with them. Yet now with Zacchaeus, they accuse him of being a guest with a man that is a sinner. Now you listen to me. There may be many who accompanied Christ, many who even sat and ate with him, like Luke 15. But it is when Christ abides with us as a guest that salvation comes to our house. You follow me? You might eat with the people of God. You might be in the presence of the people of God. You might be where Christ is being preached. The Bible's being preached. That don't count. Unless Christ becomes a guest in your heart by grace, only then shall salvation come to our house. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Simplicity. Is that easy? That's simple. The gospel is not hard. It's not hard. Why do you make it hard? Why do you squander each moment? Why do you waste time? 
when you're one heartbeat away from eternity? Why do you ponder these things? Call on him while he's near. Amen. May God be merciful and gracious to us. And child of God, may we be reminded of the glorious gospel and may we not lose that first love. Let us remember where we've been fallen and let us return to our first love and our first works. You remember when you first got saved? You didn't care what people thought about you being a Christian. I mean, man, we were so ignorant of Scripture. We didn't know. I mean, I tried to show guys Scripture at work two days after I got saved, and I was trying to tell him that, you know, Christ died for us, and I couldn't find the verse. And I'm at work with the Bible going, I, I don't know where it's at, and I looked like a fool, but I didn't care. Yeah. I wanted to tell him Christ died for him, and it was a Polish guy, a small Polish guy, remind me of Zacchaeus. We didn't care. Remember our first works? Remember those? How innocent and full of zeal they were? Now everything's got to be doctrinally straight. I'm not condemning doctrine. I'm simply saying now we've, we've become more smart, more wise. Mm. Return to your first love, your first works. Preach the gospel. Mm. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you now, Lord, that you would first and foremost, Lord, speak to those this morning that know not Christ. Let them understand. Let them see. Let them sense your passing by. Let them seize this moment. Dear God, I pray. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you burden their hearts and their minds at this very moment in time. Let them, Lord God, I pray, not leave this place without at least acknowledging their need of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would draw them unto yourself and show them your rich grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each and every child of God this morning. Help us, Lord God, to be reminded of that first love and may it ever be our source of strength and energy and Lord help this church to ever preach the gospel never listening to the noise of the crowds never being discouraged Lord God by what appears to be no result help us Lord God to preach the gospel faithfully because we have the promise that you'll be with us until the end of the world I pray that Lord you'd be honored and glorified and always say and do Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.